James chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. And if you're rich, glory to God. Your riches have rotted and your your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and you will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Now, patience has obviously been a little bit of a theme through the book of James as it started out. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Remember that one? Day one? And be patient through that, endure through that. And that's been a, a theme throughout this series. For the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door as an example of suffering and patience. Brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Can anybody say amen to that? But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven. Got that? Don't cuss. Don't swear. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, that you may not fall under condemnation. Verse 13, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. If anyone cheerful, let him rejoice in the fact that he's not suffering. Is any among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I like the way other translations say it. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He had the same passions, the same desires, the same challenges, the same obstacles to overcome. They might have looked a little bit different, but it was essentially the same. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if any, uh, if any among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, come on somebody, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now what a powerful chapter as we finish up. Our, our series entitled Faith That Works, and so much we could kind of hone in on here, but for time's sake, because my goal is to wrap it up in the next 15 minutes, for time's sake, I want to just key in on this part about prayer. 
Because at the last part of this chapter, now remember, James is writing this not so much as a letter, as much as it is a speech. And it's being sent out to all the believers that are scattered abroad, the Christians living in a, in a, in a non-Christian culture. And it's not written as just this letter, but it's written literally as a speech to begin to engage people, to begin to rally people, to begin to instruct people. Here we come to the, to the end of that speech, if you will, and James decides under you know, the influence of the Holy Spirit, decides to write about prayer. And he paints this picture of how powerful prayer is, and he also paints the picture that, that we should be praying. Okay? Now remember how we started. We started off James chapter 1, they're obviously going through some trials, they're going through some difficult times. As believers, how are we supposed to engage those difficult times? With joy, okay? We're not joyful in the fact that we're being afflicted by something. We're not joyful even in the fact, oh yes, bring on a trial. But we keep the right perspective as we walk through the trial, okay? And so we have joy in the journey. We have joy in the process knowing that the end result is going to be amazing, okay? We talked about that. Then James really takes several chapters to begin to discuss Uh, potentially some trials you might face and we walked through those together and now here at the end of this speech he talks about prayer okay he talks about prayer i want to just read that portion to you again real quickly is anyone among you suffering let him pray okay and James begins to go back to the original, look, I know you're walking through some trials. I know you're going through some difficult times. Keep the right perspective. Keep the right heart. As a matter of fact, here's something you can do if you're suffering. Pray. Okay? Pray. What does prayer do? Prayer does a couple things. It presents your need to God. Okay? You're bringing your request, your petition, your need, your circumstance, your problem, whatever it is you're going through to God. But it also gives an opportunity and invites God into your circumstance and your situation. Okay? I remember one of my mentors told me this one time. He said, Ben, God does nothing on earth except through invitation. Okay? As his people invite him in, God begins to move and he can begin to move powerfully. So if you're suffering, here's a good thing to do. You can... Pray, or in the words of MC Hammer, you've got to pray just to make it today. Pray! Okay. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Why? Because he's not suffering. All right? Be happy that you're not suffering. So in in life, you're doing one of two things. You're either praying or you're rejoicing. Amen? Okay? This is the life of the believer. Okay? Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. These are the leaders of the church, not necessarily the pastor, okay? Uh, Not necessarily the one that's preaching, but the leaders of the church. If you are sick, listen to what James is saying, okay? Why don't you go and call for some leaders in the church? Why? Here's why. Because if their leadership, according to what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, they are people of good reputation, They are people that are carrying themselves properly within the community and within the church, and they're people that are seeking after God, okay? Therefore, James kind of gives us a little snapshot that maybe there there might be, by calling those elders in, there might be a little more powerful prayer that takes place, okay? And so, call, and people will pray. I actually got several texts last night. Um, I've learned to turn my phone on silent, 
and uh, except for last night, I forgot to do that, and I got several, several texts um, because some people were going through some stuff, and they needed some prayer. Okay, what were they doing? They were doing what James said, call for the leaders, let them pray for you, and so we, we did that, and we believe that God's going to touch them and heal them. Amen? Anointing with oil, something that is, uh, is kind of a, maybe a practice in the church that has been forgotten about, but right here we're instructed to do that. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, okay? What is James showing us? James is showing us, because then right after a portion of Scripture we're going to key in on in just a minute, James takes us to this guy named Elijah, okay? And he says, hey, this guy here, he was a man with a nature just like ours. What's James saying, okay? James is saying this, okay? I know you're walking through some stuff. I know you have some desires, some passions, okay? Some things that are going on. And maybe you you feel like you don't have the ability to pray. Maybe you feel like there's no power in your prayer, okay? But what you need to do is understand something. This guy went through that same stuff. And look how powerful his prayer was. He prayed that it would not rain. And guess what? For three and a half years. How many of you guys think that's a powerful prayer? Okay? All right? I mean, you're just praying that, God, would you just provide some food for today? Right? God, would you just, you know, make my children be obedient? Come on, somebody, right? God, I just pray for the next hour that they would be quiet in church, you know. This guy prayed something powerful, and it took place, okay? He's shown us that there's power in prayer. All throughout the Bible, we see the power of prayer. We also see the necessity of it. Jesus modeled it, okay? The Bible says that he withdrew many times to a desolate place to pray. How many of you guys think if Jesus prayed, you and I need to pray, yeah. right? If, if God needed to get in touch with himself, come on, somebody, Okay, how, how many know that we probably need to pray and get in touch with God? And so Jesus modeled it to the point where, where disciples saw Jesus praying one time and said, hey, Jesus, can you teach us to pray? Like John taught his disciples. Why? Because they saw some powerful things going on in that prayer moment, and they wanted to be a part of that. And so Jesus taught them how to pray. There's power in prayer. Uh, the Bible says in St. Chronicles 7.14 that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, right, begin to turn from their wicked ways, begin to look towards heaven, begin to pray, then I'd hear them, and I would come, not only answer their prayer, I'm going to heal their whole entire land. Okay, that's, that's pretty powerful, okay? There's power in prayer. It's essential that we pray. Prayer is amazing, okay? But I want you to notice something that James does. And James says this, okay, after he goes into this whole thing about prayer. So in the prayer of faith, verse uh, 15, will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven, okay? Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, okay? Now this is speaking twofold, okay? First John 1 John 1.9 says this. That uh, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you guys are thankful for that verse? Amen. Amen. Okay, and that's something that uh, I, I, I do daily. God, search me. God, this issue. God, I'm confessing it to you, and you're faithful and just to forgive me my sins. Okay? Ultimately, when we sin, we understand we're sinning against God. But there are also times when we sin against each other in addition to sinning against God. And when this takes place, okay, this is all in the context of talking about prayer. When this takes place, 
Make sure you go and confess your sins to one another. Okay? That isn't just, I've sinned, I've committed immorality, I've done something that I just need to confess and get this off my, my, you know, my chest. Okay? There is a point in that, there is a place in that, but ultimately we confess that to Him. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We teach here at Urban Church, though, that if you've been dealing with a circumstance or a situation of sin in your life for a, a season, okay, you should probably get an accountability partner, confess it to him, okay, have them help keep you accountable. But ultimately, if you've sinned against another person, now you need to understand something, okay, if you've sinned against another person and you do not go deal with that sin with that person, your prayer has no power. Matthew 5.24, write it down, time's sake, I won't turn there, okay? Matthew 5.24, you go read it later. But it talks about when you come to bring your gift before the Lord, you come to bring your sacrifice before the Lord, but yet it's revealed to you that there is something between you and another brother or sister. Leave your gift there, go, make it right with that person, then come back and offer your gift, okay? If there is something between you and somebody else, and you try to go into this prayer time, can I be honest with you? You are wasting your words. You need, go ahead, yell with them. Yeah! It's okay. That's okay. Okay? You're wasting your words. Now listen here. Listen to this. The parents are going to be so much more grateful next week for children's ministry. They're going to bring them gifts and chocolate. Come on, somebody. Listen to this now. Listen. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Listen now. The prayer, listen to what it says. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. It does not say that prayer has great power. Although we know that prayer does, but listen to what James is saying. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. What is James doing? James is bringing something in the context here. Righteousness and right standing with God. There's no issues that are separating you from God. You've dealt with the issues that might be separating you from a brother. You've confessed your sins to one another so that there could be restoration. There could be healing. And it's the prayer of a righteous person that has great power. Think about this for a moment. Think about your prayer life. I've talked with people. Pastor, I've tried prayer. And it's just, it's just not working for me. You know what I like to ask them? Is there any sin in your life? Are there any issues in your life? Is there something going on in your life? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, this is happening. This is happening. But, you know, what's taking place? There's no power in the prayer. There's no powerful results. Because... There's sin in their life. Listen, listen to this. If the Bible would encourage us to go and make things right with another person before we pray, how much more do we need to make sure that we're right with God? Are you with me this morning? Before we can expect power in our prayer. Pastor, I've been praying for this for a long time. It's not happening. I haven't seen results. This isn't taking place, and this isn't happening, and this isn't taking place. Could it be that there's something in your life that you need to confess either to him or you need to go to a brother or sister and ask for forgiveness? Listen to me. 
the only thing that's standing between you and power in your prayer is unrighteousness. Is unrighteousness. We need to confess our stuff to people. We need to confess our stuff to him. We need to get it out. We need to get it right. And then, goes back to what we talked about last week. Submit to God. Resist the devil. You've got to submit first. Then you can resist. Because when you submit, you're coming under his authority. And now you have authority to resist the devil. Let me, let me, let me put it to you this way. And I, I know there's some kids in here, so I'm going to wrap it up here. And hopefully, are you getting anything out of this car? Are you taking good notes? I'm going to check them later, and if not, I'm going to spank you. Just kidding. <laughs> Let me try to put it this way. Okay? How many of you guys have ever been pulled over by a police officer before? How many have not yet had that pleasure? We can arrange that. All right. Um, you pull over... Because when you look back, the lights are going. They got the, you know, San Diego PD on the, on the side of the car. It is clear that they are police officer, and therefore they carry authority to, to, to do what they're about to do, which is write you a ticket, you sinner, okay? And so you do that because they have the ability to flip on those lights and to, and to drive that car because they've been commissioned by the, you know, the city of San Diego to carry out the law in San Diego. They have authority to do that, Okay? All right? They have power in that. There's power behind what they do. Now listen to me. If you are in right standing with God, you're righteous, your p- prayers have power. Okay? You can connect with God. Results happen. Things, oh man, it's amazing. But if you're not in right standing for God, okay, try this next time. Okay? Try this. If someone in front of you is speeding or driving horrible, not that there's any of those in California. If you're in another state visiting, okay, and someone's trying, or you see something bad taking place, roll down your window and go, woo, 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 pull over, okay, and see if anybody listens to you. They, they might look at you and take pictures. They look at the freak show, right? You have no power because you haven't been commissioned. You're not in the right position, okay? But can I tell you something? If we have sin in our life and we're not in right standing with God and we have issues with another person, we are no different than the person sticking their head out the window. Well, okay? We're no different than that. We're just making a lot of noise, drawing a lot of attention, but accomplishing nothing. The Old Testament puts this, you're like a clanging cymbal. Sounds horrible. It accomplishes nothing. But if we're in right standing with God, the prayer of a righteous person, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? has great power. Listen to me. When we think about unrighteousness and sin in our life, I'm not just talking about these big blaring issues. I'm talking about lying, manipulation, wrong thoughts, jealousy, envy, selfish ambition, gossip. See, we kind of push those ones into another category. And we go and we pray. Why is there no power? Have you dealt with the envy in your life? Have you dealt with the selfish ambitions in your life? 
Have you dealt with the jealousy? Have you dealt with the wrong motives and the wrong heart and the wrong intentions? And the so we, we kind of categorize sin, but God doesn't. If you've failed in one area of the law, you've failed in them all. I don't know about you, but I'm going into a season as a pastor, and we're going into a season as a church where we need to pray together. But I don't want to come together and pray and just be this out the window. I want to come together and pray and see results. I want to come together and pray and see the power of God released as we are praying because we don't harbor anything against one another and we're in right standing with God. Are you with me? Pastor, okay, what do I do then? I, I, I realize I have some some issues with somebody else. It doesn't matter if it's somebody in this church, somebody in another church. Maybe it's somebody you can't actually even physically connect with. You just write a letter, whatever. You release it to God, but what you got to do is you got to confess that to that other person. One thing I've learned is you don't need to go into detail. You know, I was really ticked off at you because all you're going to do is get that person ticked off at you now, right? You just say, look, you know what? I had some wrong thoughts towards you. Would you forgive me? I was wrong. You confess that, okay? Maybe there's something in your life where you just need to confess some things to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in so doing, come on, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Are you with me today? Pastor, why are you, why are you keying in on this? Um, I just mentioned because our church, honestly, there's some great things taking place. There's some great changes taking place. We're in a season of harvest, not only in the natural but in the spiritual Church growth charts show that, man, September, October, November are some of the biggest times when people look for change and are coming back to Jesus. Well, what do we want to do? We want to pray. We want to see those people transformed by the grace of God. But you know, the Bible makes it very clear that he's going to start cleaning in the house. He's going to start cleaning in the church. Pastor, this is Labor Day. Could you lighten up? Where's the barbecue? We go play some volleyball. It's been like this all summer. James, blame it on the book, all right? Okay. Listen to me this morning. If if your prayers have not been getting answered, if your prayers have been lacking power, if your prayers aren't producing results, and yet you hear pastors talk about the power of prayer, okay, And yet you don't see that. You don't need to look at the church and be like, oh, the church isn't doing their job. Maybe what you need to do is look in the mirror and have a conversation with Jesus and say, Jesus, search me. What areas in my life? Because we're going into a season of prayer. If you look in your program, there was an insert in there today. And starting next week, I want to invite everybody here in the church to be a part of this time of prayer and fasting. If you're here and you can, you, can, you can say, I can commit to that, man. I'm not asking to fill anything out. I'm just asking you between you and God. Just say, I'm committing to that and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to ask us. And there's several things in there I want, I want us to be praying about as a church. So for me, that fast is going to simply look like this. Starting on Thursday afternoon all the way through Sunday afternoon, I'm going to be fasting. Okay? A lot of people say, what are you going to be fasting? I'm going to go to the biblical fasting because they didn't have media back then, all right? I, like, I, I think we've made fasting really easy in our culture. What do you fast? I'm going to fast Facebook. 
Shut up. I'm just not going to send out any tweets for four days. Okay? Oh, that's so tough. Okay? I'm going to ask us as a church. Now, I know that there's some people for certain reasons that you might be able to fast certain food, but everybody can fast some sort of food. Okay? And I want it to stretch us. I want it to challenge us. And I want it to challenge you. And I want to ask you for three consecutive weekends from Thursday afternoon to Sunday afternoon, starting next weekend, would you fast with me? How, what do I do during a fast? Real simple. The time that you would spend eating, you spend praying. Okay? Some of you have 30 minutes for lunch. Take that 30 minutes, pray. Some of you have 60 minutes for lunch. I've got to pray for 60 minutes. Pastor, I've never prayed that long in my life. Stretch yourself. What do I pray for? Listen to me. Once you start praying and you really get into it, you'll, it'll be easy. It'll be easy. Okay? And you pray. The time you'd normally eat dinner, pray for three days. Okay? Then in addition to that, on Friday night, right here in the sanctuary from 8 to 8.30, I want to invite you to come out and pray with us as we pray. Listen to me. Why, why are we doing this? Not only because of the season we're going into but there is so much power in prayer. There's so much power in it if we're living righteous. So I want to ask you a question today before we head into this season because I don't want you to be a siren out the window. I don't want you to be a clanging cymbal. I want your prayers to have power. And, and, and listen to me, it's not more time in prayer that makes it more powerful. Listen, we're not after outward conformity. We're out after inward transformation. It's, it's not, I, I'm going to do these four days, and man, my life's going to be dramatically different. It's going to be dramatically different if there's an inward transformation. If there's a repentance, a confession of sin. Okay? That's what James is saying here. Look, it's not about, you know, hey, the long prayer has power. Right? Thank God it doesn't say that. Because <laughs> I, I just like quick, short, righteous prayers. Right? It doesn't say the more often you pray. Hey, it's, the, it's simply this. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. So I want to encourage us as a church. A, repent, get right with God. B, step into a lifestyle of prayer and watch and see his power move in your life. Amen? God, we thank you for today. Uh, Lord, I thank you for all the children in this place. Um, and God, I just ask right now, Lord, if there be any areas in our life, Lord, where we are not right with you, any areas in our life, God, where we're not right with somebody else, that, Lord, you'd put your finger on it right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do me a favor. Just close your eyes for a minute. Bow your heads. We're going to dismiss. We'll have burgers, hot dogs, games just out this back door. We're going to have a lot of fun. Encourage you all to hang out. Fellowship with one another. Next week, we'll go back to our 9 and 1030 service. But you're here, and I just want you to examine your heart for a minute. I, I want to be honest with you as your pastor. This is something I go through daily. Something I had to walk through this morning. I had to go and ask some of my leaders to forgive me this morning because of the way I responded. Some I'm walking through daily. Why? Because I don't, I don't want to just 
spend time just quoting words and saying things to God and there's no results. It's a waste of time. I want to make sure that when I come to Him, that my heart's right with Him and with others. Can I be honest with you? It's a lot of work sometimes. It's a lot of work sometimes, but man, let me tell you this. The results are amazing. The results are amazing. Three and a half years ago, we launched Urban Church in a nightclub in downtown San Diego. Sunday night, 6 o'clock. So much has changed since then, learned a lot, but let me tell you one thing that has stayed the same. From the moment we went out to start that church, Yes, I prayed for good godly leadership and God, would you teach me how to do this and teach me how to work with other people and teach me how to... But let me tell you one thing that was essential. God, would you forgive me? God, would you forgive me? And I went, and you can ask my wife, we went down the list to make sure that there was nobody. And it wasn't always easy. It's not always easy when someone wrongs you and you have to be the one to go to them and say, hey, would you forgive me for having these feelings towards you? But I don't want anything to stand in the way of launching the church. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, you're worthy, Lord. You are holy, God, you're holy, God. Jesus, you're worthy, Jesus. You worthy Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 It's like going into a relationship and you go into this relationship, but you still have baggage from a previous relationship. And now everything gets reflected from that previous relationship on your new relationship. What do you got to do? You got to go back and deal with some stuff. Got to go back and deal with some stuff. Hallelujah. God wants to deal with some stuff this morning. God wants to address some hard issues this morning. God wants to touch you. I feel this so strongly that someone literally is about to have a breakthrough in their spiritual journey. Someone's about to have a breakthrough in their, in their prayer life. Someone's about to see great results simply because they said, God, would you forgive me of this? Simply because they went to someone and said, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to repent before you so that they could be restored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Listen to me, that old saying that time heals all wounds. It's not true. But let me tell you something that does. Repentance heals all wounds. When you repent to God and you repent to one another and you ask for forgiveness, I'm telling you there's something supernatural. God is working in that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.